It's like a void of black. There's a portal open here. Let's talk about some spooky shit. Hey, spooky bitches. It's Birdie. And Jerica. And Savannah. And welcome back to Violent Delight. We're back. Bitches. Yes, we are. Um, so yeah, this week was crazy because I didn't have to really research anything. Birdie and Savannah kind of took the reins on that, and I was in charge of the palate cleanser, and Savannah asked me to look up kind of the difference uh, between personality disorder and mental illness or a mental disorder, um, so I went into the sciencey stuff on that, but Which really is- just kind of kick back and ask questions because I knew nothing about this. Yes. And boy, oh boy, do we have a couple of interesting stories. Uh, I'm excited. You guys have been talking it up and I, and they would ask me more researching saying, do you, you want to know? And I'm like, no, 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 no. I, I want to be surprised. So I'm excited. <laughs> so let's get started. Let's do this. Let's do it. The true story of murder Arnie Cheyenne Johnson or the devil made me do it murderer or the conjuring three colon the devil made me do it because this story is being used for the new film, The Conjuring 3, coming out this fall. Yes! Yay! We're going to have to go watch that. Yeah, we are. I'm real excited. Yes. I have a feeling it might not be accurate, though. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's like all Hollywooded up. Yeah. yeah. Which is fine. Whatever. I'll still watch it. Yeah. Um, my major sources for the story come from Newsweek, Murderpedia, and TheCurrent.com. So, in Brooklyn, Connecticut, on February 16th, 1981, which is the anniversary is coming up. Oh, shit, that's next week. Yeah, hadn't even occurred to me until just now. Um, Arnie, a then 19-year-old arborist, stabbed his landlord, 40-year-old Alan Bono, to death with a five-inch pocket knife. Damn. Eight months later, Arnie stood before a jury of his peers and planned to submit a plea of not guilty by virtue of possession for the first time in the U.S. court system. Virtue of possession? Yeah. So he claimed he was he's, possessed. He's blaming that yeah. it wasn't him. It was some something that possessed him. It I was guess. the Beast Man. Oh, so, yeah, we're gonna get into it. <laughs> okay, really excited. Good. Good. Let's right. go. Right. Okay, let's go back. So we're gonna backtrack to July of 1980. Um, Arnie's 26-year-old fiance Debbie uh, Glatzel asked him to move into her parents' house to help manage her 11-year-old brother David. According to the Glatzels, uh, David had recently been possessed by a demon he referred to as the Beast Man. The Beast Man would either appear as a big man with black eyes, a thin face with animal features, and jagged teeth, pointed ears, horns, and hooves. Hell no. Why, is it, why are they always with, like, uh, hooves? Like, animal Yeah, they're, like, part animal, part yeah. human. Oh, hell all no. All of the goats. Yeah. Um, no. All of the goats. <laughs> he no, also said... I see a goat, I'm like, fuck that! <laughs> it's the <laughs> devil! Come across! <laughs> so, uh, sometimes uh, he saw the man as having a white beard, dressed in flannel and jeans. So it's like everybody on the east side of Austin. Yeah. <laughs> Probably owns a microbrewery somewhere. Yeah, for sure. Um, David was reported as suffering from seizures, speaking in Latin, speaking several different voices at once, quoting the book Paradise Lost, which apparently he had never read. Oh. But is a long epic poem about uh, yeah. the devil, basically, oh, and mm. everyone getting kicked out of um, the Garden of Eden, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Okay. Unknown scratches, furniture moving and shaking, levitation, visions. He gained about 60 pounds oh, shit. within a couple of months. Yeah, that, so, I've, I've heard about that with, like, other possessions. They either, like, 
become like gaunt or they just like don't eat or they like engorge themselves. Yeah. Really? So these were like friends that were witnessing this happen or like people that knew him? This all came from his family. Oh, reports from God. his family. There were some reports about his school, especially about his outbursts of anger. Um, now, I actually wanted to ask you about that, Jerrica, because at 11 years old, I mean, is that typically when you see mental illness come out in children, especially um, boys? I guess it depends on uh, what it is. Um, it Because, it, you know, like mental illness, there's a combination of like genes, so you're like pre- predisposed to certain things. Mm-hmm. Um, but then also there could be like environmental things, like triggers and stuff. So if he had a horrible family life, you know, like those kind of things. Yeah. But then also, if it's a guy, males, like, puberty, testosterone, those kind of things. So there could be, like, a, a shift of all of those things. Yeah. And, but, like, typically, like, um, like schizophrenia and those big, like, mood disorders, it's, like, that prepubescent, um, like, adolescent age where they're, like, about to go into puberty or are going through puberty where, like, a lot of those things that kind of, like, come out. Yeah. Is weight gain typical? Um, I guess it, because, again, it would be, like, a hormone thing. I don't know. Yeah. I would have to look more into, like, testosterone stuff. Yeah. But, yeah. Like, I, I, would, I, I guarantee... would assume it would be kind of more the opposite, because usually when, when, like, I yeah, feel like lose boys, weight. like, they lose weight, they become, like, more yeah. muscular, they're growing taller. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Things like that. You don't typically Yeah, you usually somebody... don't, like, I think yeah. that's more, like, estrogen would, would yeah. make you, oh, like, Yeah, oh, for sure. Yeah. 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 Okay. Well, according to David's mom, Judy... Um, the episodes were so severe that the family took turns keeping guard of David at night to make sure he didn't die in his sleep. Mm. Um, mostly what age from was the seizures. This? Was this like when he was a teenager? Eleven. Or? Oh shit! Oh, yeah, God. he had just turned eleven. The Glatzels contacted the local Catholic church, um, but they were not able to expel the evil. In fact, after a blessing was performed for the house, uh, the activity seemed to increase. Ed and motherfucking clairvoyant Lorraine Warren. Hell yeah! You know it's a good story when it comes to Lorraine. That's right. Um, They were asked by the Glatzels to intervene. So, in case you aren't familiar, which, hello, with Ed and Lorraine Warren, um, there's... First off, how dare you? How dare you? You know, like, uh, Mindy Kaling from The Office, which like, first, two questions. First off, how dare you? How dare you? You might be in the wrong place if you don't know who... Yeah. Yeah. There are so many documentaries and investigation discoveries based on them, Mm -hmm. and just I was listening to a podcast the other day where they were talking about... um, her interviewing somebody. It was, like, with the My Amityville Horror, mm-hmm. with yeah. the guy who, like, you know, brought about Yeah, that. so that was really interesting. I bet. So, Ed and Lorraine are self-proclaimed demonologists. Um, they are best known for their work in the Amityville haunting that mm-hmm. Jerrica just talked about, um, and more recently for their depiction in almost all of James Wan's films. So, like, The Conjuring 1 and 2 and yeah. Annabelle, the Annabelle. whole Annabelle oh. series. Yeah. They're, like, sprinkled in there. Yeah. Um, Ed and Lorraine claimed David had 43 demons living inside of him. 43. 43. Yeah. But since the Glatzel family refused to undergo the psychological test required by the church for the exorcism, uh, the Warrens were unable to conduct a true Catholic-backed exorcism. Hmm. And they settled for what they called three lesser exorcisms. Okay. So drink every time I say exorcism. (laughs) (laughs) It's a lot. Um, The first two did not work. The final exorcism occurred in October of 1980, during which Arnie pulled his Zach Baggins and taunted the <laughs> demons to come into his body. No. Yeah. First of all, no. Especially the beast. Don't, don't, just, don't do that. Yeah. Like, if, even if you don't believe in any of this stuff, play it safe. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, the thing is, there's you don't know what's going to happen, so why would you be like, yeah, do that? Because there's no way by that point you'd be able to say, no, no, never mind. Yeah, just you kidding. Can't, you can't withdraw consent on this, on this yeah, uh, don't relationship. Invite, don't invite yeah. demons. I don't think they, they care about consent. Or, or incubus. You know, <laughs> come up on in you. Yeah. The Warrens later told police, Johnson leaped up and cried to the demon, Come into me! I'll fight you! Come into me! That's very Zach Baggins. Right? Maybe that's where he got... Yeah. Yeah. That's like Zach Baggins got the inspiration for this. Probably. Um, From that time on, he was possessed. (laughs) Afterwards, the Warrens actually contacted local police to warn them of the situation and told them to keep an eye on Arnie because they feared that he was becoming dangerous. Mm -hmm. There's actually a record of that. Shit. So that happened in October. Oh my God. And the murder happened in February. Oh. Mm-hmm. Shortly after this, Debbie and Arnie moved into an apartment by themselves where they were introduced to Alan Bonham. Everything I just talked about was testified to in court by Debbie, her mom, and the Warrens. Um, Arnie did not actually testify in court, which is pretty common. Yeah, right, yeah. Yeah. They don't actually usually want you to in no. murder trials. Mm-hmm. Well, because um, then, like, you have the you open yourself up to be cross-examined right yeah and you're gonna f up yeah you're yeah you are well that and you can't pre- you can only prepare so much like yeah if right. they say you say something the prosecution or whoever is gonna pull on that and completely right. do, oh, they're do their job run yeah, with it. absolutely yeah so uh shortly after bono was killed um the diocese stopped commenting on david's case but a spokesman did acknowledge that a priest had been assigned to investigate the boy the spokesman said it was the first time the diocese had assigned an investigator to look into a, quote, diabolical possession. Stop. End quote. Mm. Yeah. After hearing witness testimony, Judge Robert Callahan rejected demonic possession as a defense, saying that he knows it's not a legal defense and considers evidence of it irrelevant, unprovable, and needlessly confusing to the jury. Arnie's lawyer quickly switched gears and claimed self-defense. So, now I'm going to go over a little bit of what happened in the trial. Oh, my gosh. On February 16th, 1981, uh, Johnson called in, sick to, called in sick to his job at Wright Tree Service and joined Debbie at the dog grooming kennel where she worked, along with her sister Wanda and Debbie's nine-year-old cousin Mary. Bono, the couple's landlord and Debbie's employer, so he owned the kennel and where they lived, bought the, brought the group to a local bar, which was called the Mug and Much Cafe, Um, And according to the waitress there, both men shared three carafes of red wine and left the cafe slash bar drunk. That afternoon, the group returned to the kennel, then to the new apartment, where depending upon who you believe, one of the following two accounts happen. Account one, everyone left the room except Bono, who drunkenly seized nine-year-old Mary and refused to let her go. Johnson headed back to the apartment and ordered Bono to release Mary... When he did, Mary ran for the car as Debbie and Wanda attempted to mitigate the situation. Johnson, growling and hissing like an animal. Ew. Oh, that, that always ruins it. <laughs> you nope. got goosebumps, didn't you? <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, growling and hissing like an animal, then drew a five-inch pocket knife and stabbed Bono four to five times. Oh, my God. Uh, account number two. Bono and Arnie, both drunk, started the fight after Bono made an obscene comment about Debbie. During the fight, Arnie pulled out his five-inch work knife and began stabbing Bono. The ambulance driver testified that Debbie and her father were standing near the body when he arrived. Debbie, who appeared distraught, said repeatedly, Oh, Daddy, he didn't mean to do it. You know how he gets when he's been drinking. 
Hmm. Yeah. So wait, who who's like um got the discrepancies and like who's the stories from? So the top story was what Debbie testified to in court. Okay. The bottom story is what the nine year old testified to in court. Okay. And um, accounts from, like, the ambulance and the first responders. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, like, that's what they told them happened immediately after versus what was said in court. Interesting. Mm-hmm. So it changed a little bit. Yeah. Um, either way, Arnie's first stab reportedly killed Bono as it began in his stomach and then pulled up, creating <gasps> a crescent-shaped incision reaching Bono's heart. I don't like that. I don't either. And the amount of strength and force... Yeah, that would for a pocket knife for a five. And, and how old was he again? Nineteen. Nineteen. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, he might be a little stronger, but still, yeah, that's a lot of force. Yeah. And yeah. Not definitely not, especially if it's a struggle. And the you have to think of how fast and how hard he would have had to do that to to Catch get away with guard. five yeah. times, right? And I I should have asked my husband about this because he's a knife expert, but I don't know how sharp typically knives are when you're using it. Yeah. He was a tree surgeon. Especially a pocket knife. A pocket knife, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, without, like, you know, like, sometimes you can, like, heat things, you know, to cut through things faster. But, like, there's no way. That's... I don't know if he kept it sharp or anything. I couldn't couldn't find anything on that. Yeah. Bono died several hours later. Um, He was stabbed repeatedly, leaving four or five tremendous wounds. Johnson was discovered two miles away, and he did not resist arrest. So, apparently, at this point whatever had happened had passed through him. Yeah. Whether that be But, a, I mean, he, I guess he had drinks. to be conscious that he at least did something. Well, he, he fled. He would have been yeah. covered in fucking blood. What do you yeah. mean he would have been I covered? Mean, he yeah. would have been like, hmm. Well, I mean, you know, him fleeing shows that he knew he did something wrong. Yeah. It's true. So, anyway. So, November of 1981, Arnie was convicted of first-degree manslaughter. The jury felt that Arnie had no intentions to actually kill Bono, only harm him. One of the jury's last requests was a transcript of the testimony. Policeman had said, Johnson told him, I think I hurt somebody. Arnie only uh, served... no shit. Yeah. Right. I mean... <laughs> kind of bad. Um, Arnie only served five years of his 10 to 20 year ser- uh, sentence due to good behavior. Oh. And being a white so man sweet. in the 80s. Well, oh. I'm so glad he's back out on the street, yeah. you know? Yeah. It gets worse, or weirder. He married Debbie in 1985 while he was still in prison. They are still together today and claim the murder was due to possession. They haven't changed their story at all. They've stuck to it. So media for this case, there was a a made-for-TV movie based on these events called The Devil Murder Case starring Kevin Bacon. What? Wait, made for TV movie, what network, where can I find it? Well, we're going to Google it, and we're going to look for it, because I want to fucking watch this. Yes, Kevin Bacon. Kevin Bacon. The Bacon. Yeah, and I think um, uh, Cloris Leachman's also in it. Oh, well, okay. So, I mean, I don't know. Spooky bitch. Yes. There you go. Um, The Discovery Channel's A Haunting had an episode called Where uh, Demons Dwell. Okay. Do not watch it. It is trash. Oh. Um, it is only Debbie and Arnie talking, oh. and it only goes up to the events before the murder. That's no fun. They don't mention the murder at all. Cool. And in fact, in it, they state that um, after all the exorcisms, David was a happy, normal kid. And nah, fuck all that central yeah. rainbow shit. No, like, I found multiple reports that said that they had to actually put him in a school for children with, like, 
disturbances. Disturbances, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. They actually, the family, it looks like, kind of hid him away during the entire trial. So he was obviously still going through some shit. Some stuff, yeah. Damn. Yep. But not according to Debbie and Arnie. He's doing great. Uh, good old Debbie. Um, the Warrens wrote a book titled The Devil in Connecticut, which is what yeah. the new movie is based off of. Um, it was re-released in 2007, and that caused David Glatzel and his brother to sue the Warrens, claiming the book took advantage of his mental illness in order to make a profit. The lawsuit was settled out of court in 2012, exactly 31 years to the day of Bono's murder. So Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of these, like, moves where it's like, okay, if you really didn't have anything to hide, why are you making all these extra, you know? Right. Like, why would you mm. settle out of court? Yeah. Why didn't they do the the Catholic churches, like, um, the psych, psych test or whatever? Well, okay, so they claimed two things. Um, when they said that they didn't want uh, David, quote, poked full of needles, which okay. are most psych tests full of needles? I mean, not really. I, I guess what what time period was this? 80s? The eighties. Yeah, I feel like maybe blood drawn. Yeah, I was like I wouldn't think of really anything else besides like blood drawing. It's not like they would do like a full on like, no. lobotomy or some shit. So yeah, well, and then the other um, reason why is they refuse to pay the seventy five dollar an hour fee test test fee for their son. Who they well, thought was his who soul they're was afraid being... of if they involve the police, right? On sometimes what, right? Okay. And they're staying up all night watching. But you know, seventy five dollars an hour. I guess that was pretty pricey back then. But also, too, though, I feel like had it been that significant, that either the church would have been w- more willing to like help them, it, or if he's a danger, I feel like you could pull some money together from people, you know, right? Like crowdfund. Like, come on. Yeah, but they didn't want to, so, so they didn't. And like I said earlier, um, he was placed in a school for mentally disturbed children right after that. Yeah. So um, while some of the family members claimed, like, he was happy and normal afterwards, there's evidence to show that he yeah, actually he... continued on struggling. Cool. <laughs> right? Okay. Parents of the year. Okay. Yeah, I know. So, um, and that's the case of the devil made me do it murder. Damn. That yeah. was really good. That was I'm crazy. really glad that I didn't know leading in because. Me too. Me either. I, I didn't know any of this But mostly because a lot of that shit is dumb. Yeah. And, you know, I think it's pretty obvious that I personally believe um, Arnie was just a drunk 19 year old and he got mm-hmm. pissed off and he lost his head. Head, yeah. And it just kind of was a coincidence that this happened before. Um, Arnie's never had any issues afterwards, so it's not... I know 19's kind of around the time mental illness usually shows up in boys. Right, yeah. But I think that was just a defense. Is they yeah. Like, oh, yeah, hey, remember, like, six months ago. Yeah. What about you, Jericho? What do you think? I don't know. I'm, like, torn because I think there's something to it, but a lot of that... It's hard. I can see that there is possibly room for thinking otherwise, but... Like you were saying, like, a lot of this could be 19, he was 19, mental, you know. Yeah. But I don't think that is the sole cause of it. Yeah. There was alcohol involved. The thing that turned me the most, I really tried to keep an open mind when I was researching this, but her quote to her dad when she was like, you know how he is when he's been drinking. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, so they've seen rage before. before. Well, then I, maybe then that's another reason why the $75 didn't matter. In their mind, 
they weren't going to spend the money because that's how he is when he's drinking, you know? Oh, well, that was for David. Oh, oh, okay, okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think that he has convinced himself that he was possessed, and that's the reasoning for it. And that may be why we haven't seen anything since then, because in his head, I think he thought, that wasn't really me, that's not who yeah. I am. Yeah. And since he might have convinced others that it was a possession, he, like, truly lied so much that he convinced himself. Yeah. And so that's why, like, going through life, he's just kind of maintained normalcy somehow. Yeah. Um. But, yeah, no, I don't think it was a real possession. I don't either. And I, I looked around pretty hard, but I didn't see David, not that I could find anyway, has ever mentioned um, what he suffers with mental illness-wise. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I kind of would have been really interested to see what that is. I had a, I have a cousin who had a kidney disease when he was younger, mm-hmm. and around that time it caused him to gain about 70, 80 pounds. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't know if he could have been having, like, both a physical and a mental issues at the same time or what, but yeah, so that's it. Yeah, that's yeah. interesting. That was a really good story. Thank you. Yeah. I really like that one. That was good. What do you have? I. It's weird for me being in this position of I love it. not knowing. You're crushing. Yeah, crushing it. Crushing it. Crushing it. Yes. Buckle up. Because <laughs> this is about a vampire who made a human kill. <gasps> Coordination. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. So Birdie actually was the one who suggested this case for oh, me. Oh, yeah. I got vampires. I got demons. I got possessions. You got it all. <laughs> you got it all. So the vampire made me do it. My sources for this story this week are The Scotsman, which is an online paper, and YouTube channel Joshua Miles. Okay, kicking it back to the early 2000s, (laughs) y'all. So on December 11th, 2002, Thomas McKendrick left his home in West Lothian, Scotland. He didn't tell his parents where he was going or what he was doing for the day. Just typical. He's a teenager. Yeah, how old is he? I uh, just skimmed this. I didn't do research. Yeah, so I think he was like 17. Oh, okay. 17. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, so, of course, they're just like, whatever, go live your life. Yeah, I'll whatever. Me. I'll be home at this time. I know the rules. Yada, yada. Yeah. yeah. Bye. So, they only became concerned when he didn't return home that night. But they thought, okay, let's not think worst case scenario. He's just chilling at a friend's house. He'll be back tomorrow. He didn't return the next day. And this was before, like, cell phones were real popular. Yeah. yeah. So, of course, he didn't really, like, have a way to, like, text his parents or right. like, call his parents or anything like that. Like, from, you know, a cell phone. Right. So, of course, when he didn't return home, they got a little concerned and they were thinking, okay, something's going on here. So, Sandra, who was Thomas's mother, decided to get together with some friends or some of her neighborhood people and um, kind of put together, like, a small search team. It wasn't enough to, like, go to the police quite yet, but she needed to look around, see what was going on, and she was just searching normal places that you might find a teenager, you know? So she actually wound up, like, in a mall or, like, shopping center there in Mm -hmm. Scotland, and she bumped into Thomas's best friend, whose name is Alan Menzies. Okay. He's important. Let's remember him. Okay. Okay. So she bumped into him, and... What she found odd about this was that he never really um, seemed concerned about Thomas. He didn't ask about Thomas. He didn't ask about how the surge was going. Didn't ask to help join in. Instead, what he said to Sandra was two things. One, call me Vamp. <laughs> I want you to call me Vamp. Like, that's the name like, I'm going to go by V-A-M-P, from now on. V-A-M-P, Vamp. V-A-M-P. Fucking Alan. Vamp. Mm-hmm. Alan. Vamp. Um, and number two, yeah, he yeah. asked her... 
How do I remove blood from my clothes? Red blood flag. stains. Red fucking flag. Red flag. <laughs> so Sandra was just kind of like, okay, Alan. I'm, I'm sorry. Sandra, call the cops. Sandra, Abs- something's up. Absolutely fucking call the cops. First off, I'm like, probably wouldn't do it in front of him. He might be a little off. Yeah. Damn sure. Walk away. 911. Yo, this dude's about to do something. Something I don't know what. is going on. So, yeah. So she was just like, okay, that's odd. But she like dismissed it. She had other things that were on her mind. She's trying to find her son. So the investigation continues. They couldn't find him. Couldn't find any clues. Didn't know where he was. So something obviously had happened. But on January 18th, 2002, roughly over a month from when he went missing, the police searched a heavily wooded area behind the community center and found remains in a shallow grave. Mm. After an autopsy was performed, the remains were found to be Thomas's. So unfortunately, he had passed. um, And the autopsy revealed that he had been bludgeoned in the head and he had 42 stab wounds to the head, neck, and torso put together. Oh, wow. So, yeah, I mean, he met a very violent end. So, whatever had happened to him was, it was a very, like, personal attack. Yeah. Yeah. Poor baby. Mm Mm-hmm. So, who murdered Thomas? I mean, if you guys haven't clued in by now. It was Vamp. Vamp. (laughs) It was Vamp. (laughs) But, no, in all seriousness, um, Thomas and Alan, who we will refer to as Vamp, had met when they were four years old at school in Scotland. And Thomas was always, like, the outgoing and helpful and kind, um, you know, student. He wanted to befriend anybody who probably didn't have a lot of friends. The helper. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And he met Alan, who, you know, he was obviously, like, a loner. He didn't really get along with a lot of people. Um, So he he befriended Alan, you know. And Alan actually had a uh, personality disorder, which made him very violent. Uh, so violent that at 14 years old, he was sent to Young Offenders Institution for stabbing another oh, classmate. Shit. I mean, obviously, yeah. like, the classmate didn't, like, die or anything like that. But, I mean, it, you know, it was very apparent that yeah. there was something going on with Alan. What what age was this? Uh, 14. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, right at Puberty, that, that, yeah. that weird age, you know. Um, so, he was sent to the Young Offenders Institute for three years. So, from 14 to the age of 17. And during that time, he was diagnosed with ASPD, also known as Antisocial Personality Disorder. Um, So, he was released at age 17 with this new diagnosis and no, like, true plans of, like, treating this diagnosis Mm. or, like, you know, anything that they could maybe, like, help introduce this, this young what would be now, like, man, and back into the world with this, like, disorder. And how old were they when Thomas went missing? Um, so Thomas and Alan were the same age, so about 17. Okay, so this was shortly after he was Oh, yeah. Where Alan is with this new diagnosis of antisocial personality disorder, and apparently he was actually, uh, there's, like, supposed to be, like, a spectrum, and he is on, um, the higher end of the spectrum, which makes him extremely violent. So, Jerka, can you kind of explain to us a little bit about anti uh, antisocial personality disorder and, like, maybe the differences between personality disorder and mental disorders? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, so I did a deep dive in this because I, in my own brain, like, processed it. I, like, I know the difference, but it's almost hard to kind of explain the two, and I couldn't really 
do it and I wanted to dive in. So all this information kind of came from the Mayo Clinic, which really anything scientific, um, I will most likely go there first just because I, they're really credible. Um, so basically the question, what's the difference between a mental disorder and a personality disorder? Um, so the Mayo Clinic defines mental illness, refers to it as a wide range of mental health conditions and disorders that affect mood, thinking, and behavior. So like when I'm talking about this, think of um, mental disorder, mental illness as the umbrella, and then a personality disorder would fall within this umbrella. Um, so many have mental health concerns, but a concern doesn't develop into like an actual mental illness um, until these ongoing signs and symptoms cause frequent distress and affect ability to function. Um, key, key thing I like highlighted on this was the disruptive part. So, you know, think of like depression. Um, you can have days where you're sad, but you know, really upset or, you know, overall just not pleased. But then you think of like the clinically depressed would be when it significantly disrupts your life. So mm -hmm. you can't get a, out of bed, feed yourself, um, basic hygiene, go to work, keep a job, those kind of things. Um, that would be then clinically depressed because it has now bled out of that, you know, you getting up to feed yourself. It has now, you know, affected other things that are less directly related. Right. That makes sense. Um, yeah. And so wide range of symptoms due to wide range of various disorders. Like I said, it's like the umbrella. So um, some things, feeling sad or down, confused thinking, extreme mood changes, withdrawal from friends and activities, um, significantly tired, low energy, sleep disruptions, inability to cope with daily um, problems and stress. And that's like, that one was kind of ambiguous and I wanted to like highlight that the inability to cope with daily problems and stress. So it's like, you know, you left your keys at home and like, you just cannot recover from, oh, really? you know, like your sister, like you will not go to work or you will not, you know, whatever it is, like you will blow it completely out of proportion yeah. because you just can't. It is now, it's like you catastrophize everything. Like, this is the worst thing ever. That just ruined your Right, day. right. Yeah. Whereas it could be just like, yeah, that's hella annoying, but also, you know. Like. Call it a locksmith. Or, you know, there's other solutions right. like you know you could fix it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Or talk to your landlord. You know, those kind of things. So, basically, that would be the disruptive part is the fact that you can recover from these little bitty, like, annoyances throughout the day. Mm -hmm. Personality disorders, then are characterized by type of mental disorder. So again, it falls within this umbrella. Um, type of mental disorder when you have a rigid and unhealthy pattern of thinking, functioning, and behaving. Has trouble perceiving or relating to situations and people. Um, so this kind of clues into where you were mentioning with the antisocial personality. So some cases may not realize the presence of personality disorder because your way of thinking and behaving seems natural to you and you may blame others for the challenges. Um, so you're not taking responsibility. Like, I'm not doing these things. These people aren't being reasonable with me. Or, okay. you know, uh -huh. that. So it's like you have your own set of rules that nobody else Exactly, knows. yeah. You live in your own world that no one really kind of has the rules to and understands. Um, so usually they begin in teenage or early adulthood. Uh, which makes sense. Yeah. So. Grouped in three clusters, which this part was really cool. Like, we know a couple of these disorders, um, specifically, like, household names, like, OCD is one of them. Mm -hmm. So, you know, like, we know these things, um, they're very common and we use them, like, see them in movies and things like that. Yep. Um, many people with one personality disorder also have signs and symptoms of at least one other personality disorder. Um, should I go into those clusters? Yeah. Okay, I'm cool. Curious. Yeah. All right. So, um, 
Cluster A is characterized by odd, eccentric thinking or behavior. Um, the ones that fall underneath these are paranoid personality disorder, schizoid personality disorder, and schizotypal personality um, disorder. Would demanding that a friend's mom call you vamp falling <laughs> I mean, that's a little odd. That's a little eccentric. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, it sounds pretty good. <laughs> Watch call me, me by Zep only. <laughs> yeah. um, cluster B is characterized by dramatic, overly emotional, or unpredictable thinking or behavior. Um, this is where antisocial personality disorder falls under, borderline personality disorder, histrionic personality disorder, and then mm-hmm. narcissistic personality disorder. My mom's three favorites. Yeah. My mom is also a counselor. Very, love talking science with Kathy. Kathy. Um, But it's really interesting. Um, So it sounds like our guy here kind of falls underneath cluster A and cluster B, a little bit of sprinkled Mm -hmm. in. Absolutely. Um, And so then cluster C is anxious, fearful thinking or behavior. Mm. And then the ones that fall underneath this are avoidant personality disorder, dependent personality disorder, and obsessive compulsive disorder. Yeah, that would make sense. Yeah. Okay, so then basically how they define personality overall, um, just what it means, is the thoughts, emotions, and behavior that are developed through your childhood and shape your shaped by your interactions. And that's whether interactions with, like, people, so your environment, the way you live your life, things like that, or even your genetic, um, your genetics, genes. Um, you can be predisposed to this, to have personality disorders or to have mental illness in mm-hmm. your family, and then you develop one because of this situation you're in your environment so maybe like a poor shitty home life or you know whatever it is um personality is what i wanted to highlight is personality disorders um is a mental illness but a mental illness is not solely a personality disorder and i really wanted to give that distinction just because i think um like we hear words like depression and anxiety so much that sometimes like personality disorder or mental illness kind of are used interchangeably or even just kind of flippantly that yeah. aren't really explaining clinically what it actually means. It's like, um, oh, I'm OCD. I had to clean my whole house. And right, like, mm. yeah. You're really not. Yeah, that's a good example. Um, and also just kind of touching specifics on antisocial personality. Um, aggressive, often violent behavior. Yes. Mm-hmm. Repeated violation of the rights of others. Recur- recurring problems with the law. Persistent lying, stealing, using aliases, and conning others. Vamp. Disregard for <laughs> others' needs or feelings. Um, disregard for the safety of self or others, so the reckless. Impulsive behavior, consistently irresponsible, lack of remorse for behavior. So those are, like, really big specifics that kind of are in antisocial personality. Cool. Interesting. We're yeah. right Antisocial personality disorder fits him really well mm-hmm. um, because according to Alan's father, he would lock himself in his room for days mm-hmm. uh, with all the blinds closed and he would just play video games for hours upon hours without eating or sleeping or anything like that. Um, and he would just be- kind of become like a recluse. Um, so antisocial. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and obsessive. Yeah. Yeah, obsessive for sure. So he would do that for a while. Um, so let's jump back to Thomas. So Thomas and Alan were best friends mm-hmm. from a very young age, mainly because Thomas, you know, kind of accepted Alan for who he was and really tried to befriend him. He didn't really have any other friends. As a matter of fact, Thomas was really Alan's only friend. Mm. So in February of 2002, Thomas came over to Alan's house to hang out. And he brought over a movie. 
for them to watch together. <laughs> and, was it a vampire movie? Well, you'll see. So. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so excited. Thomas introduced Alan to what would become Alan's favorite motion picture of all time. Oh God. It Twilight. was the movie Twilight. 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 <laughs> Close. It was the movie Queen of the Damned. Yes. Shut up. Stop it. You're lying. I'm not. Queen of the Damned on VHS. <laughs> yes. Alan became obsessed with this movie so much so that he watched it so much that the VHS actually wore out. Oh, he watched my it. God. They they claim that he watched How long it is more that than a hundred. Yeah. Yeah, he watched it more than a hundred times over within like a two month span. I mean, I get it. Aaliyah looks flawless. In <laughs> I mean, she looks great and everything. So, for our listeners out there who don't know what Queen of the Damned is, it's basically... First off, how dare you? Yeah. How dare you? It's on Netflix. Just go watch it. It's terrible. It's one of the worst movies ever made. It's awful. It's like cult classic, like necessary rite of passage. Please. Yes, absolutely. You're absolutely right. The worst CGI of all time. The worst acting of all time. It's based on a book by Anne Rice. It's terrible. But anyways, he became obsessed with it. Okay, so after watching it more than 100 times, his demeanor and behavior completely changed. Alan's father said that he would, when he'd be locked in his room for hours, it sounded like he was talking to somebody or even screaming at somebody in his room. Casually. Just totally normal. Yeah. And so his dad was like, that's kind of weird, but yeah, it's Alan. Vamp. It's vamp. vamp. He's just doing his thing. It is not Alan. So he it's was, vamp. I'm sorry, he was living at home with his parents? Yes. Okay, I wasn't sure if he had, like, um, government. That's actually what's really or... unclear about this, because later on it never really says, like, if what tra- what events transpired were in the house of where he lived with, like, his parents, which I'm assuming oh. was. Okay. But, it, again, it was, just wasn't very clear. On December 11th, 2002, uh, Thomas came over to this was the day he disappeared thomas came over to actually hang out with alan and they were just gonna you know i don't know hang out do whatever guys do at 17 play Mm, video games (laughs) (laughs) you you know what i mean (laughs) you know (laughs) um but uh things made a turn for the worse and um what happened was the police eventually were like alan is weird Alan had something to do with this. Something's up. Alan was asking so, about blood stains. Yeah. So <laughs> they did an investigation. They did a search through his house, which I'm assuming he lived with his parents and in his room. And they really didn't find a ton of evidence. I'm assuming they didn't dig deep. Like, they didn't, like, look for blood stains or this or that. You only Why that not? They... That is their job. I know. They, they just didn't. So the only thing that they found that was a little weird was that he did have books by Anne Rice in his house. I mean, I do. Uh, well, I mean, like, a, a lot of her, like, more obscure books. Okay. And he had a lot of things highlighted and scribbled, like, just kind of haphazardly scribbled about um, wanting to be a vampire and how, you know, you need to, like, make sacrifices or consume Dude, the blood of I your I wonder victims. if those are, like, available online or some shit. They I probably bet they are. are. Yeah. Well, they have that murder bill, yeah. Yeah. Oh, interesting. But essentially, that was really the only damning evidence that they could find was they just were like, okay, this is weird, and he's got a lot of stuff in here about murder and sacrifices. Um, So eventually, they did go ahead and arrest him, and while in the cop car on the way to the police station, he immediately just started confessing, pretty much, more or less, talking about how he had 
killed Thomas. He needed to drink his blood. He needed to eat parts of him to become a vampire. Oh, my God. Um, he uh-huh. said that Akasha, which is the queen a vampire in the movie Queen of the Damned, Aaliyah. she's the original yeah. vampire played by Aaliyah, uh, basically appeared to him um, at night in the middle of his room um, and would tell him, like, you can be a vampire. We could be together. All I need you to do is sacrifice somebody and drink their blood and we could be, you know, all that kind of stuff. stuff. Again, like, it's like 17-year-old wet dreams, you know? Absolutely. That's (laughs) absolutely what it was. (laughs) So he essentially was just blaming the movie. He was like, the movie made me do it. Queen of the, the, the movie, the Queen of the Damned made me do it. Why do I believe that my story had nothing to really do with demons and it was a dude that just got drunk and wanted murder? But my first thought when I heard this was, oh, a demon was visiting him trying to convince him to kill someone. I mean, <laughs> you never know, I guess. Oh but So <laughs> he said really what set him off was that he had already had it in his mind that he needed to make a sacrifice. He needed to kill somebody. So Thomas became his victim whenever Thomas actually was watching the movie Queen of the Damned with him. Mm-hmm. And he made a sexual comment about Akasha or, you know... Aaliyah, who was playing Queen of the Damned in the movie. And this immediately set Alan off, thinking, uh-oh, what did you say about my girl? And then he said that at the moment that Thomas made this comment, he actually saw the vampire self, like, manifest in his living room. Nope. Standing beside Thomas, basically turning her back to him, which made him feel like he upset her for not defending her and not standing up for her. Hmm. And so he thought, okay, Thomas has to be my sacrifice because, number one, he offended my queen, and number two, I already, I, I need to make a sacrifice anyway, so yeah. two birds, one stone. Um, so in the back of the police car, he essentially told the police at the time that he grabbed a knife, he had a Bowie knife at the time, and stabbed it right into his friend's throat, oh, right uh. there in the kitchen, and then stabbed his friend's head and then began to go through the whole process of blunging in him and stabbing him and really just, like, overkilling him. Damn. Yeah. best friend, oh. too. Only friend. And you know how much blood had to so come much. out? Yeah. He, um, he even said that he got a whiskey glass and filled up the whiskey <gasps> glass. No! With his friend's blood. Yes. And drank Close. two full whiskey glasses of that's, blood. That's, like, in a lot of, um... Vampire movies, too. You is know, it? like that imagery. Yeah, I forget which one it is, but like it's always like those crystal, those like, really yeah, I think it's in Blade a lot. Yeah, those probably. really sexy, yeah, probably crystal glasses. Mm. And like, I felt really like elegant, I guess, yeah. drinking out well, of that. Because it like it bleeds so much, but then also if you hit like an artery, you know, it like that spurts, so it's almost oh. like a little a fountain, <laughs> like yeah, a keg. That's in a lot of fucking vampire shit. Um, so he did that, but then he also went beyond that. He he even ate part of his friend's brain. Stop. So he went full cannibal. Like, ah. not just blood drinking. Eating his like brain. This is, like, as he was, like, killing him? Yeah. Like in- <gasps> Stop. That's And then, of course, he disposed of the body by bringing it out into the woods and this and that. That, okay. Not to go off on a bunny trail, but he did that by himself? Yeah. He had the strength to do that by himself, because... I, I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure he size. took his friend by surprise. But you also. I'm think sure his it, friend. Like, well, no, I'm. I'm just talking about carrying the dead body. Oh no, well, he probably had like a wheelbarrow or something. Okay, I'm sure. Say, probably yeah. But I would say also too, like he would have the strength. I feel like his a adrenaline, you know, all yeah. that. But then also because it, it's like sexually motivated for him, like 
Oh, that's true. You know, you he's it's like a passionate thing. So it's like, ew. Um, you think it's like, <laughs> you think it's like um, him like getting off on the fact that he's doing this to somebody, and then he's ble- like with that many hits, forty two or whatever. It was, it was a lot. I mean, yeah. that that You'd be that's much. the very you know part of it would be this. He probably that's just like, overkill. Ugh. That's so great. He made it back to the police station where, of course, you know, in the interrogation, he gave even more detail about how he killed Thomas, what tools he used, which was like a hammer, um, a Bowie knife, um, and things like that, and how, of course, he drank the blood. And he said this wasn't premeditated, but he happened he to brought have all this, that shit, yeah. He had that in his kitchen? Right, right. It doesn't really make a lot of sense. It doesn't really add up. Yeah. Um, so apparently in Scotland, what he was able to do was he was able to plead guilty of culpable homicide on the ground of diminished responsibility, which really is very similar to guilty by reason of insanity. Yeah. Yeah. I think they use that too a lot in like heat of the moment murders. Mm -hmm. Like if a husband comes home and finds his wife. Or a battered wife just loses, um, her cool and kills her husband. Yeah. Or whatever. Right. So yeah. it, it has a lesser charge of first degree murder, but I mean it's it's still he's he's still not really accepting responsibility. He's still antisocial personality disorder. He's still blaming the movie. He's blaming outside sources for making him do what he had to do. Right again, outside rules that nobody else knows about. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So the trial began in October of two thousand and three, and they did not accept his plea. They they were like, no, we don't believe that you were. You know insane or this or that um i don't believe it was premeditated no absolutely yeah. or that wasn't premeditated right yeah he was believed to not really have a mental illness he was more so believed to be a vivid fantasist mm-hmm. so uh, they they still believe that he had been planning on doing something like this yeah he just wanted to find like an opportunity yeah he was just like again like he was over the top and like eccentric himself he was just weird, but doesn't just because you're like odd does not mean that you are not capable of like responsibility. Yeah, for your actions. Like he knew yeah, exactly what. Absolutely. So he was found guilty and sentenced to life with the possibility of parole after 18 years, plus another three years. I know. How's that life? <laughs> plus another three years for lying to the police because he had told them at one point during the investigation that he had seen Thomas regularly during the period when Thomas had been uh-huh. missing. Mm. And obviously when they found Thomas's body, they're like, this doesn't add up. Right. Yeah. Um, so during his sentence on November 15th, 2004, Alan was found dead in his jail cell and he had hung himself with bed sheets. He Shit. was supposedly supposed to be on suicide watch because they already knew like, you know, that he could be very capable of doing that. Mm-hmm. But somehow that slipped through the cracks and he wasn't put on suicide watch. So, um, it's just interesting yeah. because he basically went to the grave denying that he was responsible for that. Mm-hmm. Um, the movie made him do it. Akasha made him do it. He, he didn't do it. Mm-hmm. So, I, I think this really just plays into, there wasn't, for me, I don't believe there was anything paranormal going on. I believe this was absolutely... Somebody who wasn't necessarily insane. I think he was very aware of what he was doing. But I, I definitely think he was looking for something to blame his actions on. Yeah. And again, it's like that personality disorder thing where it says is you blame other people and other things for what's happening to you. Not because 
by any fault of your own. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I also yeah. think there's ego playing in this because he probably never thought anybody would find it was him. Yeah. Like, and I'm also, so like, smarter. probably how they were acting to the fact that he's, like, a vampire. Like, they're like, yeah, the fucking right. Value. Yeah, fuck yeah. Like, fuck yeah. Like, yeah, okay. And he's, like, upset by the fact that you don't know what... Like, you don't understand. Like, this is what happened. Almost like he can't believe that they aren't seeing what he's seeing. You know what I mean? Huh. That was so good. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it was... Um, When you gave me the information on it to research, it was a lot more... uh dark than I guess what I expected it to be. I, yeah, I, like I said, I had just kind of skimmed over it, and then they Mm -hmm. mentioned my case in it, and I was more attracted to that case. I'm just blown away that somebody could watch Queen of the Damned over a hundred times and still be obsessed with it. I mean, that drive you nutters. I will! That is the truth. That is the truth. So, I mean, I guess we're all done here with our, our paranormal and, you know, spooky, scary stories. Oh, Jerka. Um, yeah, so I was kind of in charge of the palate cleanser this week since I didn't really research and I wanted everything to be anonymous. Yeah. Is that the word? Anonymous? Secret. Or secret. Secretive. Yeah. yeah sure. And so, um, <laughs> whatever. I've been drinking a little bit. Um, <laughs> I decided, Savannah asked me like to look up some personality disorder type things to explain that for this week. I was like, hmm, everyone loves us little personality quizzes. Yes, so we do. I have a couple to choose from. Yay! And I'll then I'll go on and like we'll do the quiz right here. Okay. But I don't know if we want to do it like you have it up on your iPad too so that we can each see your results. Yeah. Or we could like pause it, do our okay. Okay, okay. that's what we'll do. So we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna take this personality quiz. And then when we're done, we're going to come back with yeah, the results. Yeah, and when we, we'll, I'll read through all of the questions that I asked them, and then they will talk about what their results were, what it came to. Okay. Cool. Sounds good. What I chose from, and then I want you guys to choose one of these that we're going to do. But the ones that I liked were, which Dr. Seuss book are you? What random animal should be your personal mascot? Hmm. What percentage adult are you? Okay. What ice cream topping are you? And what type of pie are you? I think I like number two. Two, yeah. Two? Okay. Yeah. Random animal mascot? Yeah. Okay. Uh, Ready for results? Are we, are we going to flip them around together? Are we going to say what they are? I want to see first, and then, like, we can explain. So, okay. like, Jerry, okay. you can go first and do yours, and then me and then. Well, wait. No, let's all flip them together You're at the recording. same time. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Okay. okay. One. Three, two. <laughs> <laughs> oh! You guys are so Around during those critical moments. God, God damn it. Don't monkey around, Savannah. 
Okay, explain yours. Um, Jerrica and I actually got the same thing. Yeah, we did. Fuck yeah, Kendrick sold. Kendrick yeah. sold. You guys got a platypus. Don't celebrate too hard. Okay. Hey, it's hey, really funny. We're the most thing. complex mammal Are in you? the world. Are you? Yeah, we lay eggs. Yeah, it was pretty complex. We're yeah. fucking furry with um wingtail, like amphibianus, yeah. and then um fucking we got a bill. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We're like a duck and a beaver, and we can kill <laughs> you. you. We can kill you, mother. Why are you bragging about it? You're a fucking pygmy. So I am a pygmy. Okay. <laughs> a pygmy one of so This might be okay. So the platypus. When it comes to sports, you're a bit awkward. <laughs> Entertaining to watch for sure. But a bit awkward. That being <laughs> keeps going back to like awkward. Get it. That being said, <laughs> once you get in the groove, you're quite unstoppable. Absolutely. We fucking slow and steady wins the race. That's right. I said yes to that. I picked the complete opposite of that. That's why you gotta pick me. I why know. Do, what do I always say? It is a marathon, not a sprint. It's a sprint. We get there in our own good time. The last recording is going to have us mentioning dicks a lot. This one's going to have us mentioning drinking a lot. Uh-huh. Sorry. Sunday fun day. <laughs> sorry. So, is that everything? I think that Did we get everything today? That was really I think fun. So. I think finally, right? Yeah. We've been recording, by the way, this literally, this is a, this may be a long segment. I'm not really sure. But we have been recording for hours. Guys, so long. Mind you, we like took some breaks in there. We, I mean, we, yeah, we did. We ended up just needing alcohol in the room. It went from being out and up and starting dry February to <laughs> ending dry February real quick to then bringing just the alcohol, sending the husband out to get a mixer. We were having technical di- difficulties. We very, needed a little help. A lot of technical difficulties. But you know what? We got there. You guys so, went there with us. I loved it. Cheers, ladies. Let's end cheers. this segment with cheersing. Yay! Bye. Sorry if that was loud. Bye, bitches. <laughs> For more source information and content, please visit us at www.violentdelightspodcast.com. You can email us at spooky at violentdelightspodcast.com. And please follow us on Instagram at violent underscore delights underscore podcast. Thanks.